Hey, this is Brett Radosta, host of the Get Fit Workforce podcast, and I have with me today Brian Falchuk. Uh, Brian has an inspiring story. He went from being obese and depressed to running marathons. He faced uh, nearly losing his wife to illness while their young son watched. He became a vegan in just one day. He got his master's from a top school and rose to senior executive position in a successful business. And now he's best-selling author and contributor to Inc. Magazine. He's transformed his life and developed an approach to help others do the same that he teaches in his best-selling book, Do a Day. And he's here today to share that philosophy with all of us. So Brian, anything you want to add to that? No, I mean, I think that that hits a lot of it and um, I'm sure we'll get pretty deep into it. I'm excited to be here for sure. All right, excellent, excellent. Well, Brian, you, you used to be obese. Now you're running marathons. Tell me about that. Yeah. Tell so the, the obesity thing, uh, the marathons are not tied to not being obese. That's something I've achieved now. I, I got fit before the marathons, and they still felt impossible before I, and before I really went after them. But um, I started life, like a lot of kids, happy, skinny, smiley. You, know, you look at pictures of me. I actually don't even identify I don't identify with who I used to be when I see those pictures, which is pretty crazy. My parents, like what, like half the U.S. My parents split up when I was a little kid. Okay. Um, I'm the youngest of four. I was the marriage saver. Okay. And uh, you probably put two and two together. That didn't work. Like I failed in my first job in life. Um, but I got fat. I, I got obese. Like not just chubby or fat. I got obese really with that whole process kicking off. As little kids have this need to feel safe and secure and loved and that's something they can't provide for themselves yeah so they look to their family to their parents for that and I, I wasn't getting it and it, you know no fault of my parents their hands were full you know three other kids divorce like financial issues that ensue all that um, but either way I wasn't getting what I needed and so I turned somewhere else for that you know I turned to something that was always there comforting not questioning me not fighting not moving out that's food and uh, I was talking to someone the other day and, and he called me a food ninja and it's because I would sneak down early in the morning before anyone was awake yeah go to the cupboard and you know score some cookies or whatever and just just engulf you know like they just like all of a sudden were gone yeah and uh, and I felt great for about 10 seconds and then I was like where's more you know and so it wasn't a, a slowly but surely kind of thing it was pretty fast and pretty extreme so you look at a picture of me from you know a little before age five smiley little dude you look at a picture of me from like five and a half or older and you pretty quickly see like that's a really big little kid and he looks pretty sad okay. like you see it in my face there's a strong difference yeah and it just continued all through high school so i got up to 248 in eighth grade that's the last time i weighed myself because i just could not deal with it anymore yeah. but i continued to gain weight because my pants kept getting bigger and tighter at the same time uh, so I got up to, I would imagine, somewhere around 270, and I should be 180. I was 179 this morning. So about 100 pounds more than I should be. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's, that's pretty daunting. So you, it started when you were around the age five, five and a half. And at what age were you when you realized... Maybe not that you realized you had a problem. Yeah, I mean, I realized I had a problem the whole time. I just couldn't, I couldn't deal with it. So when did you decide to begin mm. to make changes in, in, in your life? Yeah. Like when was the decision? And right. then 
to walk me through from when the decision was made to when actual change started to take Absolutely. place. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I had these pep talks with myself every morning that were worthless because I didn't, I didn't have my reason. Uh, in high, and and anything fitness related for me was negativity. So it was, why are you so lazy? Hey, fat kid, you got to run. What's wrong with you? This is why you're fat. You people know, said that to you all the time. Yeah, I mean it. So I didn't get bullied and stuff, and generally people were nice, but there were absolutely like it. That's harsh. Talk, it's that is it's it's definitely hard. Like I, I went to summer camp um, as a kid, sports camp, and you know I was one of the three fat kids in camp. Like uh, I remember the other kid. I don't know most of the people's names. I remember those two other fat kids really well. Um, and uh, the counselors pitted all of the fattest kids against each other in a race. It was an eight eighty, not a relay race, just a race around the track eight times. Um, that was horrible. It was in Maine in the middle of the summer. It was like 105, pure humidity. I finished. I don't know what place I finished in, but I collapsed on the finish line, and I woke up in the camp lake with the camp nurse trying to revive me because I had overheated. Like, yeah, I couldn't breathe. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know. So, um, that's scarring. And, and I had 200 kids around me. That's terrible. Pointing and laughing. It was great fun for the camp. And Yeah, that, that was... Uh, They'd make the news today. It would absolutely make the news today. I would probably be a millionaire right now from the settlement, but you know that wasn't even that didn't even warrant a discussion with my parents. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So wow. that you know, I was really lucky in school. I didn't generally get picked on. My sister picked on me a lot. My next sister up for me. That's but normal. Yeah, she was you know skinny and popular blonde girl. Oh. Um, yeah. But that's okay. She we're good now. All right. But. Um, so I wasn't, you know, it was always like, you have so much weight to lose and you are so incapable of doing that because that's everything you've been programmed with and food's really good and that's all you've got. So how old, when, when were you aware this of this? This is like all, you know, from maybe age nine through 15 and then I met someone. Okay. Uh, not meaning So a, you've got girl. awareness. Yeah. No I, so action yet. No then, action yet. I'm, okay. the, the guy who runs the physical education program at my high school, which usually is a blow off thing, he doesn't take it that way. Uh, he's this amazing uh, Swiss guy, really just into health and wellness. And so instead of being like, okay, you have to run laps, you know, you need to lose weight. It's like, what do you enjoy doing? I can understand why you don't like running. It probably hurts your knees. Mm. And, you know, your, your man boobs flop around. Now, he didn't say that, but like, yeah, that was reality. So uh, he just like, he'd introduce me to things and he did it with this really kind approach. So it was like, have you thought about lifting weights? Have you ever done that? It's like, uh, I'm a teenage boy. Yeah, I've thought about it a lot. I just don't know what to do. Like, I want to get ripped and get muscles. So he introduced me to that. Yeah. And that was a slowly but surely thing. I worked with him for a good three years of every season I was in the PE class. Cool. I had to get a waiver for that. Like, you weren't allowed to be unless there's something wrong. I was, you know, being fat. Like, I could always get a doctor's note about my knees. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that was the physical transformation. The one problem was... And this is not on him because it's not really his responsibility. We dealt with my knowledge and my skills so I could apply them to losing weight, but we never dealt with the reason why I was fat. I was not fat because I ate too much and moved too little. That was as much a symptom as the obesity itself. I was overweight because I was depressed and filled with anxiety from that experience as a kid, feeling like things aren't okay. Mm -hmm. um, and so that that's why while I lost weight in high school, I got down to like 185. I was really fit. Um, I ended up putting it back on through my 20s. Okay. And so fast forward to age 32, I'm married. I have a two-year-old. And 
while I had gone from 270-ish to 180, I was now at 222. So I was about 40 pounds overweight, not 100. Were you still exercising at that time? I was exercising, but I was exercising like most people did. So I always say I wasn't obese, I looked American. You know, it's just like no one would look at me and be like, oh, there's that fat guy. Oh my God, what's he eating? It was like, Brian just looks like everybody else. Yeah. And right. I exercise like everybody else. I got up, you know, I was a morning person. I think from being that early morning food ninja, it had been programmed into me, wake up early. So I'm a morning guy. I go downstairs in my basement, hop on the elliptical, put a magazine in front of the screen. Next thing I know, it's beeping because it's done. And I'm like, I might be a little bit slightly sweaty, but that's not a workout. And that's how most people do it. Yeah. It's not mindful, it's not purposeful. It's not for a result. Yeah, and that that's what brought me to this moment in 2011. Um, I was in a job I didn't. It was a good job, but it was very political, and I'm just not cut that way. So it didn't feel good to me, and and I'm not going to play those games. So I was losing. You know, mm-hmm. I wasn't I wasn't the one who was going to get ahead because I wasn't willing to cut people like that. Um, obviously, physically, I was unhappy. I had never dealt with the reasons why I was obese yet. And my mother had just gotten divorced, not from my father at that time, from her second husband. And that actually, that brought a lot of things to the surface around the first divorce that I was just too little to deal with then. So all of a sudden at age 32 or 30 to 32, I'm dealing with the divorce from when I was a little kid. You know, and that's not something um, I was expecting. So what? how did you become aware that you had this going on? In, in your the, the anxiety and the yeah. depression like you know a lot of people think hey I'm gonna get in shape I'm gonna go exercise yeah and being in the industry as long as I have and seeing so many clients as I have you working out is probably 20% of it yeah it's the nutrition and then the mental side as well yeah. so yeah. I'm, I'm curious can you share exactly yeah. how did you how did you what did you do? You, yeah, you become aware that hey, you know, I've, I've got there's more going on to my in my weight gain than just overeating and and maybe not working out as hard yeah. as I could. You know, well, what what happened? So the the awareness was thrust upon me, and uh, and that's that's the problem. And, and frankly, as a life coach or whatever you want to call it, this is what I most often deal with with people is this mindless way that we go through life. So I wasn't aware yet. I just knew I was really unhappy. I knew there was a lot of baggage from the divorce, but you know, as much as my wife was trying to support me and be like, you should talk to someone. I don't have time for that. I work full time. I come home and we get this little kid and you need to get some time off at night. So I got to jump in. I have to, I'm a fixer, right? I jump in and fix things because that's the situation I grew up in where stuff needed fixing from an early age. Yeah. So there's no time for the me part. And uh, so 2011, that summer, my wife's got a chronic illness and we didn't know. She'd always had these flare ups and uh, after a couple days they'd go away and no one could ever figure out what it was. It was always like you just had a you know 24 hour bug or you caught the flu or whatever. So she had one of her flare ups. And, um, you know, I was like, we were both like, that sucks. So they're pretty intense, a lot of excruciating pain, but you know, it'll go away. It was like a Thursday night. So I'm like, okay, Friday, I took the day off. Saturday comes, I'm expecting we wake up, everything's good. No, she's worse. I'm like, that's weird. That doesn't usually happen. Okay, this is a two day one. By Sunday, she'll be good. Certainly by Monday. Yeah. Sunday comes and she's worse. Monday comes and she's even worse. And when I say she's worse, it's not like she started off like, you know, she had a 99 degree fever and a temperature and then it was 100 and then 101. Um, she was in 
that, that first day, it's such intense, excruciating pain. So to, to go from that to worse is a pretty severe thing. Mm. So this continued. I ended up taking the next week off of work. And we got her in with some specialists, and no one could figure out what was going on. And what they did instead was, instead of trying to help her, they were shaming her. So it was, are you sure you're not just depressed? It's like, well, I wasn't, but how do you think I feel right now? You know, I'm a stay-at-home mom caring for my child, and I can't do that. And I'm in a ridiculous amount of pain, and no one knows why, and no one can help me, and I'm scared. It has to be scary, right? Yeah, so, yeah, I'm probably depressed right now. Um, are you sure you're not just doing this to yourself? You seem really, like, you get a lot of anxiety. I think you need to calm down. Okay, well, again, if you feel like you're dying, you probably would have some anxiety. It's, it's not, she's not actively choosing to feel that way. Yes, it is a choice. You can control it, but it's very hard, and she's in the throes of it. You know, those things in and of themselves aren't terrible to say like it might be anxiety or might be worsened by anxiety or depression. Yeah. But as a physician, you should then say, I want to help you with that. Here's someone you should see. Can we talk about why you might feel that way? Can we talk about strategies to deal with it? But instead it was just, you're doing this to yourself. You need to calm down. What's wrong with you? And that just makes it worse. So uh, fast forward, June comes around. She, she continues to get worse. She's now wasting away. She can't really keep food down. She's losing two pounds a day. So I talked to my boss and I ended up working from home for a month. Um, we didn't know it was going to be a month, but you know, it's, he's like, you need to deal with this. I said, otherwise I'm gonna have to take a leave because something's got to give. Like we, I don't, I don't know how to make this work. Like my son's really little. Um, he's not in daycare and we can't just like jump in and find him something. I need a month to try to figure out what, what to do. Got to June 30th, she's down to about 100 pounds. And I won't say where she started because she probably wouldn't be happy about that. Yeah. Um, but before I go further with the story, I should just make it clear she is still alive today. Okay. Um, Good. Sometimes I forget to mention that as I tell the story because it should just. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because when we first connected, I was, you know, going through some uh, information about you that you sent over and I was. Is he a widower? Like, what, yeah. yeah. No, it, she it, is still it did, alive. So I'm glad that you yeah. mentioned that because I know it, but people listening. Yeah, yeah. Listening One, I, I've realized on. looking at people, sometimes they're in tears and someone was like, I'm so sorry for your loss. I'm like, I haven't lost anything. You got your month leave. So when when are you beginning to become aware yeah. that you've so got it, a process? So, you know, you're care, taking care of, yep. of others and at the same time. Working full time and something I don't like and trying to keep my wife alive and and you got your son my son and this is this is where it all came together is uh it was june 30th her primary care physician calls me because he's going to go take the rest of the summer off he's going on a six-week vacation and just wanted to let us know and i was like well what are we supposed to do and he's like well let's check in when i'm back i said check in when you're back that's six weeks from now she's losing two pounds a day she barely weighs 100 pounds yeah she will not be here when you get back and yeah. he just goes okay we'll take her to the er if you need to like it's all chipper, and I was yeah. like, are, "Are you kidding me?" I, let me tell you, yeah. my my mom, uh, my dad passed away in the summer of 2015 of uh, brain cancer, wow. and and then it was, was hard on our family. Yeah, and then and my mom had been taking care of him the whole time, and then in May, so that was August of 2015. In May of 2016. My mom goes to the doctor, and she has uh, is diagnosed with bladder cancer. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. So here you've got a, a, a woman who just went through this whole cancer yeah, ordeal with her husband, yeah. 
and he, uh, he he passed away. And then you go to the doctor, and they say you've got cancer. Yeah. I mean, and and guess what? The same thing happened with her, where the physician said, "Hey, you know what? I'm going on vacation. I'll be gone for for six, seven weeks. When I get back, we'll we'll deal with this." And could you imagine yeah. for si six weeks sitting around knowing that you've got cancer inside you? I couldn't. Yeah. So thank goodness I have a, a childhood family friend who's an oncologist. Oh, wow. He saw her the next day at 9 a.m. and everything is great. Yeah. So, um, you know, just phenomenal. But I, I guess I'm bringing that up now because that's that happened. I We each have experiences with that. Yeah. So... Um, Anyone in the medical industry, if you're listening, y'all need to fix that. It's a scary situation. Yeah. Don't put someone on hold for six weeks. Yeah. You know, give well, them somewhere to go. I say two things on that. Um, my dad's a doctor. I have a lot of respect. They're amazing people. Um, please do remember, you are scientists, ultimately, and scientists observe. And when they observe, they should, and, and you're committed to helping people. Don't shun that which you see. Don't yeah. shame that which you you observe. Yeah. Maybe open your eyes because let's not forget it wasn't that long ago in the history of man that you all use leeches for everything, <laughs> you know, and the earth was flat and, and the sun revolved around us. Yeah. So guess what? Science is evolving. You got to keep your mind open and don't just blow off the things that don't seem to fit what you learned. Yeah. And I think they see so much every day that they can become uh, immune to it. But yet for the individual going through the experience, it's a very scary yeah. process, yep. a very confusing process. Yep. And, um, you know, just to just to be be aware. of Yeah. That. So we the other thing I would say is we learned a lot about being a self-advocate. Um, that's that's why she's still alive is okay. she took it into her own hands and found people who were willing to help and not just, you know, going to blow her off for that. Um, so that moment, June 30th, like I'll never forget the day. I got off the phone. I took the call in another room because I was afraid of, you know, what what she might hear. Um, my son's in our bedroom, looking at his mom in bed. Can't get out of bed, and it just hit me. It's like this little boy is, you know, he, he's he's watching his mother die, and that is going to be so definitional for him. And he's watching his father die just at a slower rate. I'm failing him, and that is that was the most upsetting thing I could ever imagine. You know, your, your father as well, like that sense of love and devotion to your child is so profound. And, and, you know, maybe it isn't for everyone, but for me, it certainly was. Yeah. And it just hit me. And, and I, yeah, I was brought back a bit to my childhood. And while our experiences were bound to be different, I knew the impact of what I went through and, uh, you know, it, it was all becoming clear to me. So I was like, I have to do better for him. And I haven't been, and that is not okay. And it's interesting, you know, I wrote a book about all this stuff. When I wrote the book, I still wasn't in touch with the next level below that. Is, yes, this, the, is this Do A Day? This is Do A Day. All right. It's, so, uh, so Bri yeah, Brian has a book, Do A Day? Do A Day, yeah. All right. Which we'll, we'll get into. All right. Um, it's not just about him. It's ultimately about me. Because while I want to do better for him, the reality is I deserve also to do better for me. And that's about self-worth and self-love and self-respect to be okay with the idea that I deserve better and I deserve to have a different life than I had been living. So I, I put it like this and I use this phrase with you before we start recruit, uh, recording. Um, I looked at myself as like I was an employee of my life. 
wasn't living it. And that's got to be the most depressing way to talk about how you're going about your life. Yeah. So that all that all hit me like a ton of bricks in that moment because it was a very powerful moment. I mean, I was unhappy at work, unhappy physically. And as a 32-year-old to be facing losing your spouse and becoming a single parent who also works full-time and you have no idea how you're going to make this work. It's one thing that I was 85. You know, it would still hurt to lose my wife, but that is a reality that comes at the other end of your life. Mm -hmm. Not when you're, you know, we had been married for four years at that point. Like, life is just coming together. Yeah. We just had our first kid in the, in the past couple of years. We were, you know, getting that under our belts to then talk about more. And it's like, you know, this is going to be over. And um, that is so profound and so clarifying. That was the moment when I figured, and you asked me, you know, when did I become yeah, what aware was of the, it? That it was, was the that. catalyst that brought you to. Because my why, my purpose, you know, yeah. maybe it's an overused term, but my purpose became so clear to me. Uh, you know, we went through the rest of the day, I went to bed, I woke up the next morning and I felt extremely different. And it's a little bit hard to completely describe the feeling. You call it an energy, a clarity, whatever, but I knew something was really different because for the first time I didn't feel aimless. And, uh, and I mean that in the sense of like people are aimless, just sort of wander, but also you're directionless. You don't know why you're there and where you're heading to. Mm -hmm. So I said, I've got two choices and I'm at a crossroads. I can either be like, oh yeah, I feel that and let it go. And it'll fizzle in a few days when I go back to ignorance in my life. Or I can say, this is that opportunity. I don't know what's gonna happen from here. I got some pretty grave things that I'm facing, but I can choose to latch on to this power that I'm feeling and damn it, I'm gonna do something with it. And I use that word do really purposefully because it's a verb. Yeah. You know, it's not like, don't worry, things will be better. Grin and bear it, get through it, you know, just like, this is about me taking action. And it was so clear to me. So I've got, let's say we've got a, uh, someone listening and they, they're, they're ready for action. Yeah, what do you do? They, they, they want to do a day. Yeah. I want to do something. I want to do a day. Tell All me, right. tell me, tell, tell them real quick. What, what do we do? All right. So the, the first thing you do is you got to allow for self-love. So the, the tip I keep telling people is uh, stop the butt. So if you're saying something about yourself or someone saying something nice to you, complimenting you on the meal you made or a job you did, don't discredit it. You know, oh, dinner was great. Yeah, I kind of, but I overcooked the chicken. No, 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 just try saying thank you. So stop, stop the, stop the butt. Don't just put say yourself thank down. you. Accept just the compliment. Say thank you and thank yourself. Yeah. You're like, wow, that was a great run. You know, like, eh, but I was a little slower than it. No, that was a great run. End of story. Just allow for you to be okay. Celebrate the celebrate the daily wins. Celebrate the daily wins. Allow for the possibility that you're capable and you deserve to have those wins. You know what I said? Like, I love it. That's great. That that pride for my son versus it's okay for me to be proud of myself and enjoy my life regardless of of anyone else. So just allow for that. All right. So that that's that's the ground. Okay. Then we got to put a foundation. We're gonna build a house of success. All right. That sounded super cheesy, but it's true. No, no, no. So, I think it's great. You can't build a house on sand. No, I mean, so we're, it's going to crumble. Right. <laughs> I've done it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about that later, right. but yeah. So, uh, so the foundation is motivation. And that was, you know, for me, it was thrust upon me. It was finding that purpose, that why, that thing that's going to drive me. When I lost weight the first time, my reason was because I didn't want to be the fat kid anymore. You know, I was a teenager. I wanted girls to like me. It wasn't going to happen. My wife always says, like, I would have liked you. I'm like, yeah, as a friend. 
you know, you're a lovely person, but it's just biology. You would not have been like, wow, he's hot. I want to marry him. Okay. Um, that's just reality. But, uh, once I lost weight, no one looked at me as a fat kid and I went to college and no one knew me as the fat kid. So my motivation evaporated. Call right. it beach, you know, losing weight for beach you season. You hit your domino. Your, your, yeah, I was your, like, it, it was, it was time bound. So like when that event passed, why are you doing anything? So find your real true motivation. And mm -hmm. for some people, you know, you go through trauma and you find it. You don't have to find it there, but a lot of people do in those moments. For a lot of people, I coach, they're like, well, I haven't had that, so I can't find my motivation. And that's not true. What you do is you have to get really introspective with yourself. You ask a number of key questions. I lay them out in the book. The, the one I give you as the sum up question is, what will always matter to you no matter what? And whatever answer you give, I promise you that's not the right answer. So you gotta start digging under the surface. And as a coach, this is what I do is I just keep asking why and it's super annoying and people are paying me to annoy them, but be your own coach or, or turn to someone who will question you. Uh, so we've got self-love, we've got motivation. You gotta define the goals. So pick, like I, you know, I share about my life, like I, I picked three things. It can be one, it can be 20, whatever, but keep it focused at least at first. What are the most pressing things you really get to turn around in your life? And figure out your plan, set your path, and start executing it on it. And the way you execute is through do a day. And that is, you know, like I was saying before, it's a very mindful way to live each day. Mm. So when you get up in the morning, uh, I'll, I'll use going vegan as an example. I'm 100% vegan, but not 100% of the time. When I make a choice not to eat something that's vegan, there's a reason for it, and I don't throw it all away. So it's just my son's birthday. And one of the reasons why I kept not going vegan when I was interested in it and thought there were benefits, I was like, well, what about his birthday? You know, want me to have cake with him? And what about, you know, this business trip and where I'm on the, you know, driving cross country for work, you know, somewhere where like all you can do is eat at a gas station. There's not going to be a salad bar there. Like whatever it is, all these things that weren't happening. And, and that's actually when do a day got his name is I just said out loud, I was like, that's ridiculous. Like I can do it tomorrow. None of those things is happening. I can do a day. And it actually doesn't matter if I do a second day or a third or anything. I can just do tomorrow, and that's all I have to think about. So I woke up. I did, I did that day, and it was so much easier than I ever thought it would be because I stopped worrying about these 73 possible situations that none of them was going on. Yeah. So when you get up, it didn't matter that day one of weight loss, I still had 100 pounds to lose or 40 pounds or whatever each time. It didn't matter at the end of week one, you know, I've been just – killing myself, working out and eating better and making all these tough choices with purpose, it didn't matter that I still had, you know, the first time around like 97 pounds to lose still. Yeah, like, oh my yeah, God. Yeah. Or the second time, like 35, 36 pounds. That's still a lot. And a lot more time. You know, if you're like, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. Well, guess what? I don't care how old you are. The rest of your life's a really long time. But you're not living all those rest of your life days right now. It's just today. So stop worrying about it and stop using yeah. that as a, as a diversion from doing what you need to it's, do. Everyone has a starting point. And, you know, if you can just remember that and just start. If you want change, if you want healthy change, you want positive change, just just start. Yeah. Just get going. So um, I'd like to ask you a few questions sure. now. If you could go back, like what, what advice would you give your nine-year-old self? Yeah. Maybe five, five and a half might have been a little too. Uh, your younger self. Yeah. You yeah. could go back in time. You know everything you know now. You've experienced everything. You have 
you've mentally figured out what's going on yeah. and you've been able to apply that for positive change in your life. You have all that knowledge now. And if you could go back to it, your younger, your yeah. younger self, say, what advice would you give to I've that? I thought child? about that a lot. And the answers I originally came up with, I don't think I could have handled them because I was focused on like, dude, stop eating that stuff. Like you gotta move more. That, that's too tactical and I wasn't ready for it. So honestly, I would just have a really caring talk about like why I'm good enough and that I'm okay and um, trying to instill a sense of that things are all right. Like acceptance? To, yeah, but acceptance of myself and of my life yeah. instead of this fear that things are always falling apart. Hmm. So it, it's tricky because like everything that I've been through, good and bad, has led me to today. Totally. And I don't like people are like, did you regret going to this school or that? And it's like, well, you know, I went to this business school where it's where I went, met my wife and which is why my son exists. And, you know, so I, those are different dominoes, you know, like you, you don't want to you don't want to change too much. But I, I do I do think if I felt more self-love and self-security, that would have made a big difference. Okay. So I would I would so have focused on that with myself. OK. Yeah acceptance self-love hey it's gonna be okay right yeah okay yeah. so with that do you have anything uh, or I would like you to share what like one path last piece of advice um, that you can share with our listeners to uh, inst inspire them on their on their health journey yeah. it might have been mindfulness I don't know but you know so uh, something. I mean even before that it's that point of self-love and actually I will exercise self-love and not put myself down for this, but I don't have a chapter of it uh, on it in the book. I miss this. Mm -hmm. I, I mention it, but um, now I'm thinking in addition to writing my second book, I need to revise my first, and that needs to be the chapter before my before the the, uh, the motivation piece. So you know, it is that ground floor. You don't build a foundation on nothing. So if motivation absolutely is the foundation of your future life, but you got to put it somewhere solid. If you don't fix how you feel about yourself, the rest of it really doesn't matter. Awesome. Okay, great. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much Good for having me. Tonight. All right. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Get Fit Workforce podcast. If you like what you heard, please go to iTunes and subscribe to our podcast. That would be so awesome. And to learn more about what we do, you can visit us at getfitworkforce.com. Um, thank you.